Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. I'm speaking to you from my studio in the hills of West Orange, New Jersey. And today's very special guest is coming to us from Cedar Park, Texas. This seemingly upside down chaotic world we are all living in seems to be bringing the potential for healing all sorts of issues front and center. Carrie Hummingbird is a soul guide who inspires people to live their lives wide awake with an authenticity, passion, and purpose that positively impacts others. And she has created programs to catalyze mind shifts that serve to transform life challenges into gifts of wisdom. Carrie has written three books titled Awakening to Me, From We to Me, and the third is her international bestseller titled The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama. Carrie, who has served as a social activist, a a leader, and a philanthropist for over three decades, is also the founder of the Skills Not Pills movement and host of the Soul Nectar Show. I'm honored to announce that I will be a guest on Carrie's Soul Nectar show next month. After I finished reading Carrie's book, The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama, I became a fan and have been gifting the book to others. This is going to be one terrific, really interesting interview. So I'm of course eager to chat with Carrie, but first let's take a quick minute to show some love to our sponsors. Carrie, welcome to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. I literally could not put down your book, The Second Way, Transcending the Human Drama, and I related to so many parts of it. Let's begin our interview with this question. Please share who you were before your divorce and how you reinvented yourself and awakened to your true purpose after your divorce. Oh, well, thank you, Irene. Thanks. I just want to say thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so glad to be here. And yeah, so who I was before? Well, I worked in high tech. So I was a marketing and technical communications writer, which seems really geeky. And, you know, like, how does that relate to what you're doing now? You know, and it really does. It's kind of fun because uh, what I was doing then was taking really technical information from experts and translating it down for people who are not experts <laughs> people who are trying to figure out how to use the software or whatever. So I'm doing the same thing now. It's just that I'm listening to somebody different. I'm not listening to programmers anymore. I'm listening to, you know, ascended masters. But so they still seem to be coming from outer space, right? <laughs> they're all, they're all weird. You know, programmers are weird, ascended masters. So, so basically, um, yeah. So I was in a marriage for 20 years as well. And uh, that marriage was, a beautiful, exciting experience. And also all of my inner triggers, like all my stuff I needed to work on was like in that relationship. 
like my deepest core wounds totally in that relationship. So I had to learn how to, how to be with myself and figure out things. And the way that I was doing it was what was given to me, the psychotherapy, you know, the weekly talk therapy. And so I, I did it with gusto, you know, I went every single week for decades, you know, trying to solve it and I even took the happy pills. But at the end of the day, um, that relationship just, uh, it, it just was touching on my wounds, but not healing my wounds. And the psychotherapy was like letting me talk about how I was being traumatized, but it wasn't really, you know, helping me resolve the core issues or heal at a deep level. So I eventually went a little bit crazy. <laughs> like they were calling me crazy anyway. So I, I just oh, I'll go ahead and be crazy. You know, why not? So, so I kind of acted kind of like I was crazy and I went out and did a whole bunch of stuff that people, you know, would feel very ashamed of, you know, in their lives. Like I cheated on my husband and I, you know, took off on our shows and just kind of did whatever I wanted to, like a young kid. And I had two young children at the time. So this was, you know, not so great, but essentially it forced me into a dark night of the soul. It forced me into a space where I had to really decide, do I want to keep living? because the way I'm living is like going to end up in some pretty big brick walls or do I need to, to stop and like revamp the whole thing? And so I chose to revamp. I said, well, that's not working. <laughs> and, you know, so I got this download finally in the middle, you know, I had those, those, those times in the bathroom floor, just like an eat, pray, love where I was just like crying and like, God, please help me. You know, like, what am I doing? What am I supposed to, why is my life so messed up? And uh, you know, and then God would come down and like, touch me and stop the tears bigots and was like okay just breathe so you messages that were coming through i felt the presence of god actually them or how does it because i talk about in my book i got messages also and they came through to me in a certain way how did how did these things come through to you well, I was pretty, I was a very crusty human at the time. So I wasn't like getting, you know, when I say crusty, I mean, I was really in my stuff, you know, I was stuck in my that. stuff and I was super fogged up and I was not, you know, connected to, that there was anything really outside of me that was helping me. So it was just this, the devastation that I was bringing myself to the inner devastation that finally brought me to my knees on the bathroom floor. Like, God help me. <laughs> like, this is awful. I don't know if I can survive this. And uh, there's too much, it's too painful. And basically that's when I started feeling the presence of something bigger. I started feeling like, okay, it, it started becoming something perceptual rather than just a cognitive idea. You know, it wasn't just an idea now. It was like, oh, I feel something's here. And then I would stop crying and I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I stopped crying. Oh, <laughs> something came to help me. And then I would be looking in the bathroom mirror. And then at sometimes I'd be just looking and talking to myself in the mirror because talking on the couch wasn't enough. So I'd be in the bathroom mirror too, like talking to myself, like about how awful it was. And at some points I would catch this glimmer of something deeper, like something expanded or something more than just me, like some deeper part of me or some loving presence or something. It would come through my eyes and I'd be like, Hey, I remember that part, you know, but then it would go away. Right. Cause I'd be back in my story. So when I walked out of that relationship, I sort of burned down the forest of my life. I just like, I kept my kids with me, but that was it. Everything else I trashed. And that was actually a devastating process for a lot of people in my life. And yet it led to exactly the unfolding that I'm experiencing now, because I very quickly within about six months got introduced to yoga and then to my first teacher who was a shamanic practitioner who started teaching me about this really awesome book called the four agreements 
by oh, Dami Ruiz. Well, yes. Love that book. I do too. If only life was that simple. If but only it is. people had integrity of their word. <laughs> it is, but it's not, it's like so simple, but it's not easy. You know, yeah. it's like very simple. So I read that book and I thought, okay, that's the key to life. Yay. And I went out to go do it. And I said, oh, I already messed up. <laughs> so like first hour. <laughs> so I had to read it. I read it 30 times front to back to reprogram my brain. But yeah, so that was my journey. That's how it started. And I know you're going to ask me some other questions, so I'm going to leave it yeah, there. Yeah, I want to know about your first experience with spiritual healing and what inspired you to become a soul guide. Absolutely. So uh, I had my first class. Now, what's had, a soul guide? So, so some of us, some of the soul people guide. sitting to us are scratching their heads and going, a soul guide? <laughs> so, you know, the soul is that big, that bigger part of you that sort of lurks. You can kind of sense it. If you ever feel like there's something looking from the back of your head through your eyes, like you can feel the presence of something right in the back of your head and you can feel it looking out your eyes. That's your soul. <laughs> it's like got you on like a mask, right? Like you're the mask, you're the costume and it's the one looking through your eyes out into the world and feeling through your body, feeling through you. That's your soul. So a lot of times we don't, we sort of feel like it's there, but since we can't see the back of our head or it's all invisible, we don't, you know, what is the soul? I don't know. It's more of a feeling. So, but we can get to know it more. So that's what I help people do is to guide, to know that more, that aspect of self that's bigger than, than you in the physical body. And to be, you know, um, more in touch with that and be able to hear messages and be guided by it more clearly. So that's, that's a soul guide. What was your first experience with spiritual healing? So my first experience with spiritual healing was my, that teacher I told you about. Um, his name is Gary Starnes. He's, and he a has, he's a shamanic practitioner is what he would say. And so he would do healings um, using a drum journey. So I'm lying on the floor in his office, the first healing. I'm in his class and I get a healing as part of the class. I'm lying on the floor and I'm thinking, my brain's like chattering. Oh, man, I got downgraded. I used to be on a couch. You know, now I'm on the floor. This sucks. You know, like what's <laughs> gone on? <laughs> I'm demoted, but I'm like lying on the floor. My brain's chitter chattering away and he's drumming. And I feel like, you know, my mind's saying it's not working. It's not, nothing's going to happen. And I just said, you know what, just for a moment, let's just suspend disbelief and say, maybe it works. And in that moment that I decided that he stopped drumming, I felt a presence come in over me that was more loving than I'd ever felt in my life. And he started taking things out of my heart that were there since I couldn't remember when shame wow. grief pain took it out of my heart flicked it and I could feel it leaving so in that moment I said wow what's going on here what is this and I re started remembering that I'm not just one thing that I'm this, this this is all this collection of experiences and feelings and what's better is that at the end of that 45 minutes I felt a shift. I felt different. I felt better. I felt lighter. I felt more healed. And after a decades on a psychotherapy couch with like very little like progress, I felt more healed than I'd felt in a really long time. I said, whatever this is, I don't even care. I'm going to learn how to do it. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to do oh, that. Wow, that's so interesting. So <laughs> my, my story is a little bit like that in that when my husband died next to me, in this car accident, which our listeners know my story, I was so devastated. And aside from this intense spiritual thing that was happening to me, I was going to a life transition coach 
and she was helping me tons. But I also added an energetic healer to the mix. And that's how I healed between the two of them, which is very similar to your story. And that's one of the reasons why I'm interviewing you today and I'm interviewing people who do these things because I know that they're so important to getting over your drama, healing your grief and all of that. So I need to ask you as a soul guide, you channel guidance from assisted master White Eagle and you also prefer rainbow light healings to which our listeners are going, huh? What please is that? Tell us, please tell us about White Eagle and your work with him. Describe what rainbow light healings are and tell us how you train to do all of this. I mean, it's fascinating. And, well, you, were so, only, and you were only 16 years old. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's incredible. I'm 51. <laughs> fully owning that. And yeah, so I, when I started my healing journey like nine years ago and I, you know, burned down my life and started over, um, basically I started getting guided by this Native American looking guy like a medicine man and kind of guy and you can see him well i would get a visions occasionally of him yeah i would get these visions and i would see like i got one in the bathtub one time i was doing a drum journey in my earbuds and he came in at the end of the drum journey like through this periscope and then here was this like from far away like closer and closer and closer and closer and then there oh. he is right in front of my face with his feathers and everything his headdress and he's like open the sun in their hearts and then he leaves <laughs> I'm like wait a second what does that mean come back come back, come back. <laughs> she didn't explain that so so i start getting these messages and like and people you know i start you know just crazy random things that start to happen with this white eagle so and then i ended up integrating an energy when i i was looking to find my cherokee roots so i'm part cherokee and but I didn't have a third dimensional connection to the roles because my great great grandmother was um, full blooded Cherokee and she could pass for white. So, you know, she didn't uh, she changed her name and she just kind of disappeared. I wanted to get connected and I thought, well, if the drum journey thing works and I get healed and everything, maybe, maybe like some shaman can connect me with my ancestry, you know, so anything's possible at this point. So I went to the Smoky Mountains and I found I, the second year I went, I found someone to help me. And I got integrated with an energy that's an ancestral energy, but also potentially me in a former life or white eagle. You know, the whole thing gets confusing when you start to think multidimensionally about like, what are, what are all these aspects and how does it all relate? It's like, it's too much for our minds to really understand. Oh, so logical brains. <laughs> the logic doesn't like, so all you logic minded people are like, this doesn't make sense. I'm with you. It doesn't make sense to me either, but I know that it happened. I started experiencing like a past life, like it was happening now. Like I started feeling the grief of the trail of tears. I felt it. I would cry the minute you would bring it up. I mean, it was just so much healing that happened. So that this aspect of me has been coming in more and more and more and more embodying and integrating. And yeah. And so when I'm hearing like the higher self, um, this aspect of me that's that's more ascended then that aspect comes through and actually is the one that i channeled the book from so that's yeah amazing. what are these rainbow light healings rainbow light is a really high frequency vibration um there's legends about the rainbow bridge in viking culture so you can start looking up like what is the rainbow bridge what is that it's not just kermit the frog that knows about it okay <laughs> like, it's a real thing and so this rainbow light is actually uh is very healing a lot of reiki uses different colors of the rainbow 
um, when you start to look at actual healing modalities, they, they all talk about different, different colors have different frequencies of healing. So I work with all the frequencies. I work with the whole rainbow and you can get the whole rainbow in the healing, just like, bam, there's a waterfall of rainbow light through your whole body. And it feels great. And, uh, it helps to clear. Does it release the uh, blockages and all yeah. that? I also use my rattle because I am I do shamanic healing so I also use my rattle to you know get in there and scour out all the you know stuck energy that's in all your chakras it's all stuck in your body and you feel stuck everywhere and so I get my rattle in there and shake it up and I bring in some plant plant tobacco smoke to clear that out because you need to get it that's not like tobacco in a cigarette right it's a different, it's a different it's a sacred tobacco this is not like the kind you would you know, smoke and inhale. It's not like that. It's more of an incense. It's a healing vibration. And um, so all of these are really uh, to prepare for the rainbow light to fully get into the cellular membranes of your being and upgrade you to a lighter, more conscious way of being than maybe you were gifted in your life. Maybe in your life, you know, your body wasn't really gifted into some of these uh, activations that younger people's bodies are. You know what I'm saying? So like we, there's newer models. So yeah. with the rainbow light healing, we can get some of the activations of the newer models. They know stuff that we don't like know. Indigo, ki indigo kids. And the, yes. And crystal the, bodies. They have like crystal bodies and all that. So you can go through the process of, of working with yourself to give yourself adequate nutrition and to decalcify your pineal gland and to clear out your chakras and to start receiving some of these activation codes that these little these little tags are just born with, you know, they just like come in all sprint band sprinkling new with all the new codes. So you can actually be in the habit and then the process of your spiritual practice of keeping yourself upgraded so that you're, you know, you're not going to be as new as them, but you're going to be able to come along. Yeah, you know? you're gonna bring them all. So do you, yeah. um, does a person have to be physically present to you or can no. you do this online with people also? There is no time or space. Healing can come from a distance. It's distance healing because there is no time or space, you know. So I'm able to do that. I'm an I'm, an, I'm a really powerful empath in the in the sense that because of my early childhood experiences, I got really good at starting to exercise that empathic muscle to yep. figure out what was going to happen, you know. So that shows me well now. And the empath is like a shapeshifter. I can shape. I can sort of transpose myself over somebody else's body and feel what they feel and help them clear the energy fantastic and then your dad's essence is joined yours is he still is he with you now? no he passed away hey, I was getting ready to I was you know really working with my guides a few years ago and I was like hey I'm ready you know like take me out there I know I'm supposed to have big work to do like let's get going with that like stop delaying why are all the delays you know I'm ready let like send me in coach <laughs> And I had one of those, you know, I was going to a retreat. I didn't really need to go to this retreat, but I was just learning another healing modality. I was all the way in New Mexico. I live in Texas. And my mom called me um, after this powerful meditation I had where I was like, send me in coach, like stop delaying. And, and they were like, oh, I heard them sort of conferring. When I say them, I mean like my spirit guys, I sort of felt like there was a conferring going on or something like they were deciding whether that was going to work. And then all of a sudden, I start driving back to my healing journey. And my mom calls me and she's like, oh my gosh, Carrie, you need to come home right now. Like your dad just suddenly is in the hospital and he, he's not well. He's only got one quarter, one lung functional. 
And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I didn't put two and two together, but I'm like, wow, I need to go home. So I turned right around and drove like 15 hours back home, got to his bedside four in the morning, spent a few hours with my dad, like by his bedside as he was struggling to breathe and just, you know, it was like connecting with my dad psychically. He was doing a life review with me. He was oh. in my mind, like guiding me on this life review. You have that ability and you could take part in that with him. Uh, so yeah. he was still in body, but his soul was already on the other side. Doing his soul it. was already moving. Yeah. And he was in, and I was there, but I was, because I was so exhausted from the 15 hour trip, I think I was more receptive, like to, you know, my ego was out of the way because I was so exhausted that I was lying by his bed and I'm just curled up in the chair and I could, he's taking me on all these memories, things I'd forgotten. He's like, oh, I can't believe you forgot about this. What about this? You forgot that too. We were having like. <laughs> yeah, we were having this for like hours, you know, and every time he would kind of start to pull away, I'd be like, no, dad, come back. You know, he'd tell me some more things. And then he, he eventually the next morning he passed away. Well, I, of course I was, I was grief stricken, but also as we're got our hands around holding hands around his body in the, um, the ICU where he passed away, my brothers and my mom and, and my children, all of a sudden, I hear my dad say this thing he used to say around Thanksgiving. Like at Thanksgiving, we'd all hold hands around the table. And my dad taught us, like, we'd all do it together. It's a little sacrilegious for people who are really religious. But we'd all yell grace at the top of our lungs. Like, grace! You know, like, so God could hear. All of a sudden, I hear that. I hear him saying that. He's, like, wanting us to do it. And I'm like, and I get this giggle, like, inside of me. And I look over at my brother. And he looks at me like he heard it too. Like we, and we start looking at each other because it was so powerful. We're all like, oh my God, he wants us to yell grace. We can't do that right now. That's <laughs> not going to work well in the hospital, but it was just so like amazing, the power of my dad. So about a month later, I had a big healing meditation, healing retreat. And in that retreat, one of the healers um, said, wow, there's this really powerful masculine energy that is an honor. He wants to integrate and help you have more masculine strength because you're a little weak in that area and he needs, you need some support. So he's going to embody with you. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah. And then I realized it was my dad. Like, oh he like came in and, and helped me to be more strong. And ever since that, like that has really started making me way more strong in my life than I was before. How cool. I know. It's amazing. It really is. But how does a guy look at you and, and when you tell him, um, excuse me, but you're not only kissing me, but my dad's here too. <laughs> my husband has gotten used to it. I'm remarried. And so my husband's like, he's like, well, your dad's around. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so the ancestors are always with us. That's the truth. They never leave our sides. And so you kind of have to ask for privacy if you want some. <laughs> That's so cool. Why do you state that the second wave, and I kind of related to this, but why do you state that the second wave is for people who have always felt like an outsider, the black sheep of the family, felt a pull to return home to heaven, or feel a deep call to purpose to lift the planet with their gifts? Is this book meant to, is your book meant to be a guide for healers and light workers or for everyone? Yeah, absolutely. I think that probably healers and light workers and members of the second wave will resonate very strongly with the material in the book. People part of the first wave will probably also resonate with it, but to a lesser degree. I'll be like, okay, yeah, this feels right, you know, but it's, it's unique what we're doing here. 
Um, and then people that are not part of the waves might just be like, that's really fascinating. I want to know more, <laughs> you know, and maybe that's part of the awakening. But I want to say briefly, like the the waves of volunteers, the second wave, the first wave, the third wave, these are all waves of volunteers to the planet that have come here for the ascension of humanity, for the ascension of our human consciousness into a consciousness, um, a species that can actually stay on the planet and keep growing because, you know, five times now we've gone extinct because we have abused ourselves and the planet to the point where Mother Earth had to kick us off. Mm -hmm. So the goal right now from all what these- What are the five times though, Kerry, that you're thinking? You think about Atlantis and- There's like five Atlantis. points during human history. We had like the great floods, we had the great fires, right? We had, so we've had earthquakes, we've had, you know, so there's been these, so now we have this op opportunity to transcend that and to actually like bring humans into a space of human consciousness where we can coexist with other beings on other planets and they won't like have to cordon us off from the rest of the galaxy because we're so destructive. So the goal is for us to be less destructive and more, um, and we have to start by taking care of our home planet. That okay, if you don't okay. take care of your home planet, you can't go anywhere else. Okay. Like you, that's your first lesson. So we're all connected. We're all part of this planet. So Dolores Cannon is the one who started realizing or finding information about the, the waves of volunteers because she has a really deep hypnosis technique called QHHT quantum healing hypnosis technique. So there's practitioners out there doing this now under the tutelage of her daughter. So if you're interested in that for past life healing or to connect to your soul, that's a really good modality. Uh, so QHHT. And when the soul, when the people were under the hypnosis to the level that she could communicate with their souls, she started asking them questions like, you know, and then they started telling her, information like, hey, I'm part of the first wave and part of the second wave. So she started tracking it and taking a survey, you know, so, so that's how we know what we know. And she's actually got a book on Amazon about it, the three waves of volunteers for those people who are interested. Now, are these three waves different um, periods of time or are we, do we, are we coexisting on the planet now with first wave and second wave people and all that kind of thing you've got? Well, so time is an illusion. But in the linear time construct, yes, um, there have been first waivers that probably started right about the time of the civil rights movement. So think about Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King is not your average human, you know, to have achieved what he achieved, not your average human. There are just humans that supersede our expectations and they were here to create big change and to disrupt the systems. And so those people like Martin Luther King in the 60s, you could think of those people as like first waivers, people that started disrupting the systems and disrupting the patterns by their actions to create change. This is all based on transformation. Um, so uh, then, you know, if you think about that band that did, did the song, The Age of Aquarius, that, come on, that's so galactic. That's a galactic song. That. It feels like that's where we're going right now, to the Age With of Aquarius going to that kind of vibration where a song like that is normal you know? <laughs> so because we've been in some dense vibrations you know if you even just look at music we have really dense vibrations in our music and really like like it can be very penetrating and very like low vibe 
vibratory patterns, right? Whereas that song, if you compare, is like super up there, like really happy and joyful, right? So we can get we can get there. We just gonna take we're, some. Work. We're trying to get there. Harmony and, and, and love abounding. You know? <laughs> we're doing our best, but yeah. So this is these are leaps in evolution that are being facilitated now through the reactivation of really ancient paradigms of healing that have been known by indigenous people for a really long time. And now Western consciousness, Western people are waking up to this because we're a key part of healing the planet. We, we are actually responsible for the innovation that has led to the destruction of a lot of the planet and peoples. So even though we're super innovative and it's wonderful that we're so innovative, we need to start innovating with sustainability in mind. So this is the integration. There's a prophecy of the eagle and the condor where the eagle would be more like us, more like uh, Western civilization and our innovation and our independence and our, you know, our drive to succeed and drive to explore and be curious and understand things. And then the more of the path of the heart, the path of the condor and the path of, you know, knowing that you're part of the web of life and, and everything you do affects everything else. And so we need to integrate these two themes within each one of us. Every single one of us needs to integrate the eagle and the condor so that we can be a full human. And so that's, the prophecy is now, the indigenous people predicted it, and this is what we're in the middle of. Is that a challenge, though? I know a bunch of eagles who do not want to know about the condor. <laughs> <laughs> They're I like, what's that hard stuff? I more accept the eagle part than the other way around, you know? <laughs> so, speaking of threes, what is this triangle of disempowerment that you talk about? Oh, the triangle of disempowerment. Well, this is the triangle most of the population lives under. It's this, it's a very stuck triangle. So if you're on any corner of it, you're disempowered. So it is the victim, rescuer, perpetrator uh, paradigm. So the interesting thing is that it, many people think they're victims of life circumstances or victims of other people's actions. And that actually is a big trap because what it does is it makes you disempowered to take action in your life. You can't take action. You can only take action and forward progress in your life if you claim responsibility for whatever it was that happened to you. It doesn't mean it's your fault. You're not to blame. It just means you're the only one that can respond to the thing that happened. You're the only one that can choose. And if you don't claim that power, then you just stay stuck. And then you're just resentful and angry and pissed off and blaming somebody so for the rest of your life you or whatever you can stay in that victim mode that this happened and give this person all that power or you can change the way you're looking at it change your attitude how does that work well it's 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 a lot of both so it's energetic there's a lot of energetic patterns and ancestral patterns that need healing and clearing that just facilitate you getting out of that triangle and there's also conscious effort you have to practice what you preach you've got to take steps with every relationship to notice to become aware of when you're falling into the trap again and to pull yourself out of it by claiming your power and being sovereign and saying well okay, that sucks, but I'm going to take responsibility for this. This doesn't mean being a doormat. You know, this is about having clear boundaries, knowing what's yours and what's someone else's, discerning that, taking responsibility for only the piece that's yours, and then just letting them do, like, don't rescue people. Let them do what they're doing. If they're going to fall into a hole by themselves, then they'll figure out their way out of it. So <laughs> this is getting rid of that paradigm where, you know, and Americans were so 
entranced by superheroes. Everybody wants to be a superhero and be like the savior of all people. And like, we're the ones that are the smartest. It's totally an ego trip. It's like, you just want to be the smartest one with all the right answers that everybody loves. Like who doesn't want that? But the thing is, it's so disempowering because if you're a rescuer, that means somebody has to be a victim. If you're a rescuer, you're automatically saying somebody has to be a victim in order for me to feel fulfilled. And somebody's got to be a perpetrator perpetrating violence on somebody in order for me to feel fulfilled. Well, that's crappy. The truth is, like in any relationship where somebody's saying that they're the victim and the other person's the perpetrator, the perpetrator person is also saying, I'm the victim and you're my perpetrator. Everybody's saying they're the victim. Nobody says, I'm a perpetrator, dang it, and I'm proud of that. Like, nobody's. The perpetrator is picking on the victim because he feels victimized. Victimized by by who knows what, right? Victimized by his own thoughts. Victimized, oh, it's not my fault. It's my parents' fault that did this. So it's, everybody's a victim and in this paradigm. I said, I don't agree with you, but it's still your fault or whatever you did, right? That's okay. your opinion. So this is where we learn about perspectives. And we start learning how, like, there isn't one. Every, I used to think that there was, like, this one capital T truth of, the, of any situation and, and if we could only just, if everybody just watched the video back of it, they would all see the truth, but it doesn't exist. There's only perspectives. And that's why we get so frustrated trying to come to the same viewpoint because we can't. We're always looking through different eyes. There's no way we're gonna look at the same viewpoint. We might overlap, like the Venn diagrams, we might overlap on a piece and that's like really validating, but the rest of it, then we stop, we stop feeling aligned because we're like, well, you're not totally like me, so I can't trust you. <laughs> Nobody's totally like anybody else. We're all unique. It's about appreciating the uniqueness in each other. And that has to do with acceptment, acceptance and, and non-judgment, which is another big. Huge. No, huge. So, which leads me to why do you call being empathic a superpower? And if that's true, then I am superwoman. So let's talk about that. <laughs> talk about being a superhero. Well, you know, empathic, I was always told that I was too sensitive. I have I was, been told the same thing. Too sensitive, too emotional, you know, get a tougher skin, you know, stop crying or being upset about that. You're just taking yep. it too personally. So part of this is true. Like four agreements teaches us don't take it personally. So there is that part. There are, you need to have good boundaries to know what's personal and what's not personal. However, like the sensitivity part is actually a beautiful gift. It's a refinement of perception. So a really sensitive person, an empath, it has a really refined sensitivity to things that other people are just like completely like just goes right over their head. They're just like, I don't know. I don't. I didn't even know that that happened or that you were even upset. Like it just psh, don't know. So the empath person has the ability to grow that muscle and to trust themselves, to learn how to trust themselves and realize that somebody that has less refined um, sensing abilities can never validate what you just sensed. Like they can't because they don't have that same gift. They have something else. They have some other gift but they're crusty in that area and they don't have that gift. So looking to validation from somebody like that is going to be very frustrating and it's going to lead you to doubt yourself and gaslight yourself, you know? So that's what usually happens to empathic people is usually paired up with somebody who has less feeling ability, is not really tuned that way. And then we can get angry at them because they, you know, because they're so heartless or whatever, but they're just, this, the truth is they're just not as refined in their, their it's empathic ability. 
like we have a, an extra super sensitive antenna or whatever that we're and so they think we're too sensitive because they don't perceive it the way we do but what we perceive is, is right is very accurate and right on often i've experienced that a lot but they're just not aware of it like you could with even with a person who's like really out of touch with their own emotions when you're an empathic person you can feel all the way to the, the center of them into this the part that's still jiggly and not like so hardened you know it's in there that you can feel all the way to the center of the tootsie roll pop and you know that they don't know it they still don't know it even though you can feel it but they might even feel they might feel you poking at it and then they well, might get mad probably take objection to you because you're kind of like uh bringing things up that they don't understand and they don't want to know about so maybe it's better to say you're too sensitive get rid of you because uh because it pokes at something <laughs> it pokes at something vulnerable because most people get crusty that way because of being hurt you know and so they put defenses and walls up to shield that part that's vulnerable so to hide it in there and then here comes this empathic person who the shields don't matter for and you just go all right to the center that is extremely frustrating for somebody who's trying to protect themselves that vulnerable spot within with all these shields and walls that you can just go penetrate all those walls and go right to the center of it and just know exactly what's going on. They're illusion of control, really. Yeah. So now that we're talking about a personality crust and a divine spark, you got to explain that to people who are like, what, what crusty is, you guys have to put you a special bread on me or something? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the personality crust and the divine spark. Yeah, so, you know, I think of the crust as kind of like all the layers that we put on top of ourselves, our vulnerable self, to protect ourselves from, from hurt, from harm. And those can be strategies to avoid, you know, getting hurt, like the pleaser strategy is a big one. But every single time you please somebody, if it's not authentic, underneath you're resentful. So now a layer of crust goes on around your heart because you're like resentful about that thing and you, and you didn't let go of the resentment because now you can't admit that you feel resentful because you probably don't like people who are angry and resentful. And so you want to disown that part of you. So now you've got another layer of crust over your heart because you can't admit that you actually get resentful and angry. So like, there's like, this is how it gets formed is like all these layers. And then anything that you don't deal with, anything like any little thing that comes up that uh, you just step over and you're like, well, I don't have time to look at that right now. And so you harden it and stuff it, that becomes crust. So you're saying it's sort of like people who compartmentalize. Compartmentalize and just shove it down and say, I'm not, I can't deal with that right now. Cause it's not always pertinent. Like we don't always, and especially in the worst, the Western world, like if you're at work, you, you get upset by something, you're not supposed to cry. You're supposed to hold it in, stuff so it down. Yeah. So now you, you've got, so unless you go back and intentionally open that back up again and let yourself feel it and let the emotions be released and honor yourself and listen to yourself and the messages and take an action in support of yourself, the thing that made you upset, whatever it needs a new action. So if you do that, you release it. But if you don't take the time to do that, it just becomes more crust that you haven't dealt with. And taking those, those happy pills they don't stop you from feeling. You just think they're stopping you from feeling. All the crust is building up, building up and building up while you're taking those happy pills, like numb to your feelings. They're still happening. So would you say releasing, 
it's like you could be going to a therapist or an energetic healer or whatever, and they're releasing the pieces of that crust. As you release them, is that what you call transcending the human drama? Do you start to- it's an aspect. It's an aspect of transcending the human drama because a lot of what causes us to react in a situation, like let's say a situation deserves a reaction kind of like a little molehill, uh-huh. but you react like a mountain, it's because of the crust. It's because of all the stuff you never spoke. It's because of all the feelings you never expressed. It's because of all the times you abandoned yourself and just kept going. That's why it becomes a mountain. So we, you know, so part of transcending the human drama is to, we have to do a review. We have to go into the body. The body holds all the information. Everything is stored in the body. So we have to go back into the body and feel all the tight areas. Any place you have disease, that's because there's unprocessed stuff you haven't dealt with. So you got to go into that and release the emotional energy. And there's like all kinds of modalities for doing that. So the modality doesn't matter as much as the fact that you're going into the body, you're revisiting things, you're reviewing things, you're being honest with yourself about your state of healing with regards to relationships and things that didn't go the way you wanted. You got to do a review. And of everything you did until you became conscious, as it comes to you for healing, you don't have to go like make a list. You can just kind of let your higher guidance lead you to the things that are most important for you to address. And then in the addressing of those things, it usually clears up a whole lot of energy. So energy healing, acupuncture, you know, working with detoxes, working with curry, all those working with me, you know, (laughs) (laughs) anything like that. It's helpful. It's layers and layers. And that's why people say it's layers. That's why you hear people saying it's like layers of the onion. That's why they say that because you're decrusting one layer at a time and you've got to like assimilate the decrusting of that layer because now it's more vulnerable, which means it feels more sensitive, even though it's more healed and you're stronger you're feeling more, you're less numb. So you're feeling more things. And so it feels more intense, but the stuff you're clearing is less crusty with each layer. Like notice how the, 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 the onion has a thick outer crust, but then it's thinner and thinner and thinner. Right, right. So now when you release these things, that makes your life more effective. Yeah. Your things are blocking what you want to do and, and, and bringing, hopefully good fortune or whatever it is into your being. You don't have as many um, shields. Exactly. You don't have as many walls. And so with every, with every layer or every wall that you take out, you get more vulnerable, you get more present with your feelings and you listen to yourself. So you understand the reason why that wall got put in up and then you go, Oh, okay. I need to be aware of that. I'm not okay with this kind of treatment. Like, I'm not okay with somebody yelling at me in the face. That's not okay with me. So all the times that you allowed people to do that to you, now you've got to clear the crust where you abandon yourself and let that happen and like go, ho'oponopono, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for tolerating that before I knew how to say no and put a boundary, right? And it's those loving actions that you practice going forward. So like you cleared all the energy of like letting yourself be abused that way. Now you'll get a spirit test. Somebody will come and do it to you. Right. Now, so we'll have, uh, that's a perfect thing to talk about. So, all right, so now you clear the energy <laughs> and the person, and someone comes around and they insult you, a new insult, and you feel yourself triggered because it's going back to your old stuff. How's the new way you respond to it? 
Well, so apartment anymore. The new way that you respond to it might look very much like taking a deep breath or three deep breaths to be present in the moment, putting a hand up, protecting your inner child, you know, your inner self that experienced that when you were younger, and then going, that's not okay with me. Why don't we revisit this conversation when you're able to be civil? You know, is putting well, a boundary and saying, no, I'm not well, okay with that. Detaching from that person and just saying, that's, I'm not, not going to accept what they're putting on me. Not here right now for that. Happy to have a, a quiet, calm conversation with you a little bit later, but that I'm not okay with. So it's like taking the action to protect yourself and say, this is what's okay with me. This is not okay with me. And then taking the actions to make that your new way of being so that it doesn't have to come from a place of resistance or pushback or blame or shame or anything like that. It's just a neutral knowing of, oh, nope, not open. I'm not available for that. Right? Yep, yep, I totally relate to that. So now I want to ask you, you say that 10% of the population, how you came up with 10% of the population? That's, the, that's the number that came to me. 10% <laughs> of the population is part of the second wave and then a new earth is dawning. Why can we use it, Kerry? Is this all part of the beginning of this age of Aquarius? And exactly what does this mean? both in general and relationship to the wonderful time we're all having on earth right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we are. I mean, does anybody doubt that we're approaching something really big on the planet? Well, does anybody doubt? Do. Some people really? do. They think, oh, this is just business as usual. The whole planet shut down for a virus that's, you know, infecting everybody and all commerce stopped and everybody has to stay in their homes, like for the first time on the planet ever in our lifetimes. But there's just, that's normal. Right. No, it's not normal. And it's not over. So like, this is the gentle wake up call. The indigenous people, people wouldn't call it so gentle. But... Well, this is the gentle path. Like, think about how it could have been if it wasn't the gentle path. I mean, we have had raging fires and floods on this planet before that destroyed humanity except for like a few savior, right? The few, the few they kept to keep, you know, to start over again. So I want to be some of those few they keep to start over again. <laughs> but hopefully we'll all be able to go forward. But, you know, the truth is not everyone's going to make it. That's the truth. The truth is that everybody's prepared to go in to the transformation that's going to have to happen to turn the planet around. We have a lot of difficult choices to make. We have to change our way of living. We're going to have to make all new choices about, um, commerce and how we interact with each other as people across the planet. We're going to have to make all new choices about resources and how we make decisions about, you know, tearing down rainforests, jungles, and things like that. We have to make new choices. We have or to stop tearing cracking. down monuments or tearing down monuments or different things that are. We, yeah, we have to make different social, uh, social decisions to uh, create a socially just world. And we need to make new choices around practices that we will and won't allow. Like if, if fracking is extremely dangerous to the environment, we need to make choices around not allowing that anymore. It's like, nope, we're not going to do that anymore. And we have to make choices about who, you know, who has ultimate say. A handful of people making a lot of money and corporations making a ton of money and, and taking advantage of, of indigenous people around the world and other cultures. And, or are we going to do things differently? So we need to wake up to a lot of things. And America is really, um, because we've 
been perpetrating a lot of things around the globe. We're really the ones that, we're the consumers and we're the ones that have voting rights. And so we actually need to be the ones that are the wisest and wake up and start changing things. And our young people know that. So, you know, but we need to know it. You know, we need to come out of the dream. Like it's been very comfortable to live in America and we need to be a little uncomfortable right now which is one of the reasons why all these things are happening. So this is all being orchestrated for us. It's not a punishment, it's a redirection. So the more you can get out of the victim story, like this is a punishment and I don't deserve this, and into a redirection like, oh, we really need this redirection, thank you. And then start thinking along the lines of, how can I be in service in a good way toward the redirection of the planet Earth and how we're handling it so that we can actually have a new earth that's built on a solid foundation of all the things we say we admire. You know, we say we admire freedom. We say we admire equality. We say we admire, you know, equal opportunity. We say we admire, you know, a generous heart. Well, then we need a foundation of our, of our world that, that agrees with that. I would say we, we have to finally walk our talk. We got to walk it and we might have to make sacrifices. And but it's making some people very angry because they don't want to change and, I personally feel that the only thing in life that doesn't change is that everything changes and some people everything changes. listen to that. And you know, this thing also, this COVID thing, you know, a lot of people are like, why is this? Ha this is an ingenious solution because it could have been a lot worse. Like I said, it could have been a flood. It could have been a war. It could have been a lot of things. It's COVID. It's a little virus that is affecting some people tremendously. True but it's, it's doing a lot of work. So I'll just tell a, just a little insight into that. In Chinese medicine, we know that the lungs process grief and grief is related to trauma. Grief is related to trauma that is unforgiven when we hold grudges or we're just not able to let it go because of so much grief or expectation. So you can imagine um, human history is filled with things that people can't forgive. And a matter of fact, like some people fighting and battling for thousands of years against each other and then training their children to do the same thing. Over the same piece of land or whatever. Over the, over the same, same piece of land, over the same, you know, and then, and then just not ever trusting or never forgiving and moving beyond it. So this virus goes into the lungs and it purges content. It is, it's a purge. It's releasing the content that you won't let go of. And it's bringing you more into your humanity because if you're afraid for your life, your priorities change. Mm. So now we have situations where a lot of people are afraid for their lives. Their priorities are changing now. They're like, oh, I don't need to go shopping. I need to get some vitamins. <laughs> like, I don't need to go buy Nikes. I need to go buy vitamin C. You know, I need to get some exercise. I'm eating too much sugar. I need to, you know, because if I'm diabetic or if I'm, you know, I'm compromised in my immune system in any way, I know I'm going to be at a greater risk. Now, right. And how about with relationships, people who have never really paid attention to relationships, now they can't see their loved ones so easily. Uh, now it changes your, your friendships and everything. Maybe you value people. You might be more appreciative. You might be more appreciative. tomorrow and you don't know. Or you might be like, why did I let this relationship go on so long? I need to leave this relationship. I need to get out of here. Like this, I can't tolerate. But I could tolerate it when I was at the office, you know, nine to seven. 
but I can't tolerate this being home all day with this person. This is not right for me. Right. And I didn't set boundaries because I didn't want to reach into the conflict. I just wanted everything to go away. And so I just drank my wine. (laughs) I just drank my wine. I took my happy pills. Hey, I'm not judging that. That was me. Just drank yeah. my wine, took my happy pills, hey, went to I my therapist. To those too, Carrie. I'm not judging <laughs> No judgment. But, you know, now is the time to wake up. We're giving that wake-up call. Because if you're still using the solution of pharmaceuticals and alcohol to solve your problems, that virus is going to be a problem. So you, you got to really take it seriously. This is, and it's going to get more intense. You know, because this is the beginning. This was like 2020 is the year of clear vision. It's always simple. Okay, 2020 vision. We always know 2020 vision, clear vision. Spirit is extremely direct with messages. So we knew this was going to be the year of clear vision. And when I wrote this book, that's what I channeled. And you know, like 2020 opened up in January, and I was all excited, like thinking we're just going to waltz into new earth and it's going to be beautiful. And even I got taken by surprise by my channeled the book, but I still got taken by surprise because 2020 came along in February and went, Pow! you know, wake up, people. That is, I love the analogy <laughs> of 2020 and being the season of clear vision. That's really a great way to look at it. Now, you people can come to you now that you've told them that they have a crust and that they have all these things interfering with your abilities to move forward. And they certainly want to survive and to become part of the second wave or whatever. You've got programs called Reinvent Yourself for individuals and groups. And you have a butterfly circle group mentoring. Could you tell us what that is? Perhaps people listening would like to take part in some of this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, I've had a lot of training in reclaiming my sovereignty and being in my personal power and getting off that triangle of disempowerment and dealing with my feelings and having, you know, expanding my ability to hold myself through big emotions, expanding my emotional capacity. These are all the things I teach people how to open your channel, how to tune into your intuition, you know, how to become aware that your ancestors are supporting you along the journey, how to, how to open up that you could have direct, direct knowledge of that. Um, these are the things that I help people with, and I do it through a series of teachings that I channeled from White Eagle uh, several years ago called the Reinvent Yourself program. Because one of my, of course, I'm Carrie Hummingbird, so I work with Hummingbird, which is a messenger. I also work with Butterfly, Mariposa. So I Mari- butterflies all over my home, I, I mean, and that's for transformation. Second wave, that's because you know it. <laughs> yeah. We're here to transform. Those, listen, those, not every single lineage of humankind is going to go forward into new earth it's just not there are some lineages that have done really good work in the ancestry they've applied themselves they've learned their lessons they've done the hard work they've tried their best to love and forgive and have compassion and all the things that matter they've done that and those are the lineages that the second wave came into to help ascend the consciousness of the lineage so that it could survive and go into new earth and most of those lineages have some element of um, earth-based spirituality in them. So either like Celtic spirituality, you know, connected to the earth or, or a Native American or in Africa or wherever you're from, like some history in the ancestry of connection to the earth, because that's what really matters the most. So, you know, we are, we're at that time now where we have to make a choice. We've got to choose. Do we want to go forward into new earth? Do we want to really bring our best or not? 
And so this program is for those people who want to change. They really want to heal their ancestry. They really want to step into their power. They want to open up their psychic gifts because psychic um, communication is a thing of the, you know, it's what we're stepping into in the new earth. So, you know, if you want that, then you need to, you need a mentor. So that's what this program's for. That's what's what the difference between your reinvent yourself and your butterfly circle? Well, the reinvent yourself is just a, it's a program that I've downloaded. So it's a collection of videos. It's so comprehensive. People don't really get all the way through it. It's a lot of information. So there's a lot of different aspects and tools and resources and meditations and healings and clearings. That's all in the program. Then everybody who's an individual client of mine in that program, or if you're part of butterfly circle, that's group mentoring, you get access to the course and the teachings. So it's a course, and then you either get access to it by being an individual client of mine or by being a group mentoring client. Okay, so one leads to the other, basically. Yeah, it's all the same stuff. You yeah, want to work with me in an individual or a group. Different aspects of it. And um, I am sure you have an important message for our Grief and Rebirth podcast listeners about the importance of healing. Take it away, Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> Especially while we're here on the planet in this lifetime. Well, you know, what's coming to my mind is, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? You know, and being right or thinking you know everything and how the world is, you know, it doesn't really lead to a happiness inside. So I had to be willing, you know, to release my identity in order to get something far greater than I thought was possible for me in this lifetime. And that's really the invitation of every person is to let go of life as you know it and, and be willing to trust that there's something greater here for you that wants you to succeed. And that at the very least, all of your ancestors want you to succeed because you're, the, you're their hope. You know, you're the latest in a long line of ancestors that have lived and done their best and given you everything that they know, all their wisdom and some of their traumas. And you know, you're their hope. So if you really want to be in service to your ancestors and you want to experience all the good stuff that's coming, then you've got to do the healing. You have to do the work. There is no spiritual bypass. You cannot bypass the work. There's no easy button. There's no pill. You know, there's no like weekend workshop. There's just you discovering yourself and doing the daily spiritual practice that leads to a beautiful life. That's the truth. It is the truth, and I can, I can absolutely attest to that. It's an amazing um, freedom within yourself. It's, it's incredible. How do our listeners who now want to take your classes, read your books and all, how do they connect with you? And tell us about your Love Mastery Game offer. Yeah, absolutely. So from my website. So you can connect to me on my website. Uh, it's kerryhummingbird.com. That's K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com. And from there, you can find my books. You can find little ad hoc series that I do of healings and channelings and things like that, that come up throughout the year, you find the butterfly circle and you'll find soul nectar show a link to that. Uh, you'll also find my love mastery game. So if you go to kerryhummingbird.com, K E R R I hummingbird.com forward slash play, then you'll find the love mastery game. Now it's an Oracle game, but it's not the Oracle game that says when things are going to happen, like some big prediction. It's more about understanding why the thing is happening. Like, what is this happening for? And also to let you know that you are on Earth. And because you're on Earth, you have certain support. You have allies. 
to help you on your journey on earth. You have allies and they might not be the allies you thought like you, everyone kind of realizes, oh, I've got angel allies. You also have allies of the elements on earth. You've got allies in the mountains. You've got allies in the, in the animals, animal spirits. You've got allies in the birds and you have so much help. You just don't know you have it. So this game is to help you understand what allies are here to support me with this challenge I'm having and what's the medicine that they bring me because they bring you medicine. It's not the kind of medicine you take in a pill. It's spirit medicine. It's deep healing medicine and they bring you that medicine. And you're also going to get some insights into, well, what am I trying to learn here? Like I'm working on a state of being, what is that? Oh, maybe I'm working on being still. That's a hard one. Oh, this challenge is helping me be still. Or maybe I'm working on learning how to forgive. That's a big challenge. So it gives you that insight. What am I learning how to do? And so I doubt, you know, that game is fun. I like to play it with a, with a 12 sided dice. So you can get 12 sided dice and it's just fun because you feel like you're rolling the dice. Isn't life like rolling the dice anyway? So. So what do people no. do? They, so they get on. They get on the website and they print out the sheets. There's like four different sheets to it. And, uh, and then the little, the little um, sheets that you fill out like your question and then you roll the dice and you enter in like, oh, I just got tobacco as an ally or I just got, you know, the earth as an ally. And then you just write down all the, all the results and then you sit and you just be with that information and intuitively guide yourself to what you're feeling. Now that you know all this, what do you really think is going on with you in this challenge? And you'll have, you'll get it. You'll be like, oh, that's what this is about. That's what it's about. Now, is there a charge for this to go on the? Uh, no, it's I, free. It's free. So any yeah, just, so any of our people listening can could just go up there and harryhoggingroup.com, find it, the love mastery game and get insights into their own being. Yeah, it costs your email address. That's it. You'll just be yeah. on my list, but but then you'll get more offers and stuff. And I, I will do like a a nice gifty version of it at some point you know i'll do like a gift style version of it with little good goodies in there but i'm just not there yet i've got so many projects on my plate including my next book so i'm just like okay oh i'll get gosh. to it when i get to it so but for now it's free <laughs> and carrie what is your tip for finding joy in this life you connecting with your soul <laughs> what did you say say it again connecting with your soul Seriously, like I love White Eagle. I just, I just can't even tell you. I, I love White Eagle so much. Like this next book, I've been working with White Buffalo Calf Woman, and I love her too. But they're just like White Eagle to me. It's just like I just love White Eagle. So you know, when you get connected that way to that higher aspect of you, it's just like it's so nurturing and loving and kind and supportive and generous and compassionate. It's like this. You know, when you can learn how to open this up for yourself, you'll get connected with that aspect of you that's like that, that healed aspect of you that's ascended. That's, you know, the soul version of you that, that knows all this stuff and is just, you know, kind of taking you through an experience. So yeah. it's so beautiful. That's the beauty way is really being in harmony like that. So cool. Thank you. Thank Very. you. Oh my goodness, Carrie, my heartfelt thanks to you for joining me today on this podcast. I especially love this quote from your book, The Second Wave. If you bring the energy of fear into your life, 
the world around you will respond with fear. If you bring the energy of love into your life, the world around you will respond with love. I know this to be true from my own personal experience. Thank you for an incredibly enlightened interview and a fun interview about soul-guided living. And I encourage our listeners to read The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama for many more terrific insights. You'll become a fan just like me. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As I always like to say, to be continued, many blessings, and bye for now. Mm-hmm.